Discipleship Conditioning, where we present anatomy through a biblical lens. We've got some exciting news. Website is in the process. It'll be up by this week. Uh, It currently is up, but under our old provider, uh, we're looking to get it up through Learn Worlds here sometime this week and receive some great feedback from some friends and supporters on some tweaks to make. So we'll be making those and then pointing the website through uh, and everything. may end up being a little bit longer than that, but we are working on it and excited to kind of show the world what we've been working on. Uh, We appreciate your prayers as we work on that and as we go through the aches and pains of entrepreneurialism. If you have any prayer requests, we would love to pray for you. Please email us at prayer at erratphysiology.com. The benefit of this show is that by the end of this podcast, you will know an insider's view of the current state of education. I've taught anatomy and physiology for nearly six years. Combine that with about eight years, a little bit more of experience as a student, uh, mainly in the subset of biology, which is anatomy and physiology. And I have a unique stance on the current state of education and where education is going. Our mission is to serve men between the ages of 20 and 40 who have ever felt persecuted over their God-given qualities. Through anecdotal experiences in life, as well as the field of anatomy, but more importantly, the scholastic truth of the Bible, we teach how God's word impacts every facet of our lives. We are faced with a problem of societal influence outweighing biblical influence, which leads to our succumbing to the evil tactics intended to destroy us. We are going to uniquely look at that today, as we know we cannot serve two masters, and there is a lot of money serving that is going on in the education system. We serve brothers and thereby sisters with authenticity in the midst of change through our calling in ministry as teachers, relating the two often opposed subjects of anatomy and the Bible. So in this first part of the story and sort of this new outline that we're going with these last few episodes, kind of trying this on for size, is uh, is story time. And what I'd like to do is share kind of a broad story. We'll pick and choose different bits and pieces of numerous stories throughout my educational experience rather than hone in on one specific. But I want to sort of think of this in the mind of a high school graduate. If I was a high school graduate and I was seeing what I am seeing out there, or perhaps I had cousins or siblings that had gone through the college and university experience and they were reporting back to me, what might I do and how may that be different? Well, I I think I would probably strongly consider a college or university. I'd probably be more inclined to go to a community college first and then work my way up to university level. But I would reflect and realize that a lot of that is based in fear. And what I mean by that is when we look at the jobs that we want to aspire to, a lot of times in the description of them, there is a certain degree requirement, whether that be law school, medical school, or just a general bachelor's degree. Most of my friends that I'm connected with that have bachelor's degrees are not working in the same field in which they got a bachelor's. So sometimes it's just getting that bachelor's degree. But 
what that means is that there is a disconnect between knowledge that we have to acquire through a four or five year degree and the knowledge that we actually acquire. And I see a big pushback here. Uh, student loan debt is at an all-time high. Uh, the rate of increase of per-credit courses across the nation throughout state colleges and private colleges has skyrocketed in my lifetime. If I'm a high school senior, I'm very unattracted to that model because of that. Now, certainly, if my parents have done well for themselves and they're willing to pay for my education, that would probably reformulate the way I was thinking about this. But if that's not the case, do I really want to go into six-figure worth of debt to get a bachelor's degree or maybe less if it's a state college, uh, but almost guaranteeingly so $50,000 worth of debt at probably a minimum for most state colleges? It's actually probably a cheap state college at this point, and we're probably not far off from the cheap colleges being six figures. Well, I could have let that fear hang over my head in what job am I going to get if I don't get a degree? But here's my, here's my take on where I think education is headed. I think that enough high school seniors are going to start saying no to college. I think that they're going to realize, having grown up in this technological age, that anything that they want to learn is at their fingertips, and it's all made so easy. I mean, reading a book is an easy thing to do. It's something that the majority of us take for granted, but it's not even that hard anymore. You have audiobooks. You can have someone literally read it to you. If you can't do that, there are apps like Speechify out there that will read uh, even, even a picture of a hard back book to you. Um, if it's ebook, it's even easier. You import the ebook and it reads it to you. You can watch videos. I'm a visual learner, so that tends to be where I go. YouTube, Rumble, other video services that are available for streaming. Uh, information is at the tip of our fingertips. And yes, it's really scary because it's difficult to discern what is a quality source and what isn't a quality source. And that's a hurdle that we'll have to overcome. But I think that is a secondary issue that will come afterwards. I think we're seeing it a little bit now on trusting who should be a good influencer, but I think we'll see it more later. What I think we're going to see first in the next 10 to 20 years is sort of this exodus from the education system. I think on the public school side, you're going to see kids going to private school more often than not. There is currently a legislative bill going through a lot of states to give parents the money back they're paying into the public school system, and then they can choose to either reinvest it back into the public school or choose a private school or homeschool. Since COVID hit, you're seeing a lot of parents decide to go through homeschool options. Uh, we have elected to go through private school as of now, but that may be changing to homeschool. We'll just have to see uh, how things go on that front. But the conversation today is more on higher education side. Public school or private school or homeschool, I think that seniors in high school are going to decide you know what, I think I'm going to go the apprenticeship route. I think I'm going to try and learn how to code. I think I'm going to try and learn anatomy and physiology uh, through the resources that are out there that I trust. And what that does is present a opening for people like us in our business, Error at Physiology, to be that credible 
influencer, to be that school, that online school that provides the same education uh, and perhaps even better education, but on a one-on-one ratio. And what really got me thinking about this are some of my experiences that I've had over the last 10 years, then and now as I reflect on them. I'm going to give you a couple examples. I'll take you back to my freshman year uh, at a state college here in Idaho. And it was the fall of 2012, and I took a course called uh, Psychology 101. A lot of people abbreviate that to Psych 101. And I was I was nervous for a number of reasons, part of which was my first semester, part of which was psychology. I didn't know anything about psychology. Much in the same way I was scared about a philosophy class I would take years later because I didn't think I knew anything about philosophy. But that's outside the point. What is on point is that when I walk into this class, first day of school, last week of August, whatever it was, and I look in and this lecture hall is huge. Probably pretty easily could have fit 500 students. Now our class filled a little over half of the seats, so we're probably in the 250 range. And it's just like a theater, just like a movie theater, where the seats get higher the further back they go. And uh, I I sat probably third, fourth row, pretty close to the front, but many people sat in the very back. And one instructor and a handful of teacher's assistants. And if this is a freshman class for you, which Psychology 101 likely would be, uh, it's probably unlikely that you're going to go directly up to the instructor before class or after class to get questions answered. Uh, It's also unlikely that you're going to email the instructor to try and get an appointment set up. But beyond that, what the student doesn't realize at that point in time is, for one, your tuition is no different in that class than it is with the class that there's only 30 students. No difference. Also, you probably don't realize, especially if you're at a university, the research demand on that professor. I'll take you to another story. Chemistry, 112. This was about a year afterwards in the uh, spring of 2014, so a little over a year. In that semester, I sat for Chemistry 112, And it was clear that this instructor was a phenomenal talent in terms of research. It was clear that this person was smarter than any of us probably ever would be. Very talented individual, but frankly, not a very good teacher. Not a very good disseminator of information. And many of us in class struggled. We struggled mightily. So much so that at the end of that semester, with about three weeks left to go, I saw a piece of paper and a clipboard being passed around lecture from person to person in this big style lecture hall. And the instructor didn't seem to notice, thankfully. And turns out what that piece of paper was, was actually a petition to have this instructor removed from her position. Now, eventually this piece of paper made it to me. And when I figured out what was actually on there, it was requesting a signature saying that I agree with the statements. Uh, I passed on the clipboard. I I wasn't about to mess with somebody's livelihood. Did I agree with basically everything that was on there? Yeah, I did. It was that bad. But it's still somebody's livelihood, and I just was not willing to cross that line. 
Well, about two weeks later, as we ended the semester, I think we were preparing for finals in a week a lot of universities called Dead Week. We were uh, discussing, me and neighboring peers around me, students around me, were discussing that letter and come to find out uh, someone within that group or a nearby group had actually gone and dropped that letter off with the dean of chemistry at this state university. And after meeting later on, about a week later, with that individual to express their concerns, it was translated, and again, this is from person to person to person, perhaps to person, it was translated that the instructor was far too valuable to the university in terms of research dollars brought in, how many grants she was pulling in, how uh, many... um, collaboration she was pulling in with other universities. And at that time, it was a major focus for the university to be known more for its research contributions than it was for its teaching contributions. And so essentially, the petition fell on deaf ears. And really, this instructor was teaching this 100 level chemistry as a way to meet the six credit requirement of teaching that she had. And everything outside of that, which was clearly the more important part of her job, was research based. So earlier I said if I was a high school te- or if I was a high school senior, I would probably consider community college. And one of the reasons I would consider community college is because often there is no research requirement for those professors at that community college. I speak from experience at a private medical school and having also worked as a professor of anatomy and physiology at a community college. There oftentimes is zero requirement in terms of research. In exchange, there's a higher academic load. But to make it in that sort of uh, profession, that sort of position within academia, you have to articulate well, you have to disseminate, and you have to be a good teacher. So oftentimes, even though Most people would think opposite. You'll receive a better education at the community college than you will the university. Now that becomes a little bit less of a factor when you get into your junior and senior level classes. There, instead of 250 students, you'll probably have 40, 50, 60, depending on the popularity of that program in that specific course, but still not great odds in terms of one-on-one time with that specific professor. And what I'm finding, both from the student lens and now the professor lens of the last roughly six years, is that money is a master. And a lot of these colleges and universities are electing to serve money over the students themselves. It's about the research dollars that are being brought in. It's about the enrollment numbers that are being brought in. But falling on deaf ears is the service that we are supposed to provide to the students. And I don't mean services in passing the students. In fact, in my opinion, it's quite the opposite. I'm going to make my courses extremely rigorous so that the student can learn as much as possible through the course. I'm not looking to hand anything to anybody. And that's actually part of the problem I have with the current state of education is that we are making things easier to keep our monetary gain, our profit, similar or even more. I won't disclose which college, but I know of a college where they have lowered the standards, 
the entrance standards to the college because enrollment numbers were down. Now that that proposes, or uh, I shouldn't say propose, but that ends up exasperating itself in a whole host of other problems. Uh, one of which is lower student coming in in terms of academic rank. Oftentimes, it's met with lower student coming out. And if you perpetuate that semester over semester, that means a lower student graduating and a less prepared employee. That obviously doesn't bode well to those that are hiring. And when I say less than, I don't mean any sort of intellectual talent whatsoever. I graduated high school with a 2.3 GPA, graduated my most recent doctoral degree with a 4.0 GPA. I didn't all of a sudden become more intellectual. I didn't become more intelligent. What I did was increase my level of dedication and spend more hours in the library. So I'm a firm subscriber to the growth mindset uh, that you hear in education on if you are willing to invest the time, you will adapt. But what I mean by sort of less than or inferior is simply that if you needed to get this score on this entrance exam and they now lower it to this, well, there's a reason why those entrance exams exist. And I personally despise those entrance exams. I barely passed one of mine and I was put on academic probation for my first semester of grad school because I barely passed it. Well, then I turned around and got an A and two A minuses. And those were the only two A minuses that I got in my entire program. Everything else was A's. But I took that as a challenge to prove that stigma, that probation, that label wrong. And so I'm, I'm against those standardized exams for the most part. But if they are there for a reason, and the reason is to sort of weed the herd a little bit, we are taking our argument, we're flushing it down the toilet when we come back and we say that we're going to lower those standards. Well, what's the real reason we're lowering those standards? And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we're lowering those standards so we can increase our profit margins or so we can stay profitable and stay in business. And if you're a capitalist like me, that makes sense. It makes sense. It's overhead, right? It's a business. Okay? You're trying to keep the doors open. You're trying to run a successful business. But if you're also a highly ethical individual and realize that we're dealing with students, we're dealing with individuals, and our service to them is going down based on these actions, you have an ethical dilemma as well. So again, I think that the way that education is heading in the wrong direction where student service is decreasing and more servantry towards money is increasing, I believe that what we're going to see is again a mass exodus from the higher education system. And we're going to see a mass exodus from traditional colleges, universities. You might see something somewhat stable at the private institution, but I think over time that will decrease as well. And again, I announced earlier that fear of, well, what are we going to do if the job I want requires a bachelor's in psychology and I'm choosing to just go learn this stuff off of YouTube or learn this stuff through audiobooks? I'm never going to get hired. I'm setting myself up for failure. And it's going to be most difficult for the first generation and the first years of graduating classes that make that decision. But eventually, 
it doesn't take long to forecast that if there are no applicants with bachelor's degrees, because there's been a mass exodus out of the college system, that company who's requiring the bachelor's degree now has two options. One, go out of business. They're probably not going to make that choice, right? Two, change their admission standards. So there again, we're changing our admission standards to bring somebody else in. And at that point, you can start to see the secondary problem that I alluded to previously of where is the person getting their information? Is it a credible source? Am I hiring somebody that's ready to go or not? But I would argue that you're you're seeing that a little bit already with Google. I know a number of people that have received their bachelor's degrees thanks to Google because they took pretty much all online classes and there were not proper systems in place for them to be filtered through specifically during the COVID time for them to research their answers, quote unquote research, I'm using that term loosely, to acquire their answers and get through the the course, so to speak. So there are many many issues in education. And I don't want to provide this downer of an episode. I don't want to provide all these issues going on, but I do want to sort of peel back the curtains and let you all know what is existing in the world of higher education and provide a solution. And I think the solution is honestly, in in as little of an egotistical stance as I can state, I think the answer resides with small business owners like myself. Uh, My wife and I, with Ararat Physiology and the education we plan to provide, I believe will fulfill students in a way that the current education model is not. More one-on-one time, more individual treatment, And in order for that to fully extrapolate, what I predict will happen is going to actually have to manifest, but it's something to consider and it's something to kind of chew on a little bit. Uh, I personally have a tremendous figure in terms of student loans. Now, when I decided to go back to school, to be very frank, and I'm not sure why they say to be frank. Was there something against Frank? I'm, I'm not sure there. But anyways, to be blunt, I was borderline suicidal when I decided to go back to school. I, I've mentioned it before working as a telecommunications tech and how awful an experience that was for me. And I would have signed up for a million dollars in student loans at that time because my options were go to school and acquire it through debt because I didn't have avenues to pay for it externally or internally for that matter, or not exist anymore because I was borderline suicidal. I could not keep going at the rate that I was going. And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. There's probably a a large percentage of people that are in college right now because of a similar life experience as to what I have. And so I'm very thankful for the experience I have. And I may come across as hypocritical in this episode because I'm predicting and maybe even promoting that students don't get degrees when I have a stack of degrees. But if I was 20 years younger, I'd probably think about this a little bit differently. When it was 2003 and I was getting ready to go into college, even though I decided not to and waited to enter college uh, about 10 years later, I, the the outlook of the public education system was much different. Prices had increased over the last 10, 15 years, but not as much as they've increased over the last 15 to 20 years since present day. A little bit of a rant there. 
uh, I'm passionate about how we're treating our students. And I hope this comes across, even if it comes across uh, hypocritically, I hope it comes across unbiased because you're listening to someone who receives their primary full-time income based on the number of students that enroll at a specific college. So I'm still stating and putting my foot down, and I've done this with my superiors, that I would rather us keep our standards where they are, if that's even a discussion at our college, than lower them and face the ethical consequences that we could. I think in the Bible, Exodus 4, 10 through 12 speaks to this a little bit. And it also speaks about what I want to talk about next, and that's imposter syndrome. So let me read what matters most in every episode, and that is the Bible, specifically Exodus 4, 10 through 12. And it reads, But Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. The first part of that application, I am not eloquent. Oh man, that's a dagger to the heart for me. I have imposter syndrome big time. In any of the degrees that I have participated in, I have had imposter syndrome. At 24, 25 years old, whatever it was, when I very first took uh, my first associate's degree class, walking into that class, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. A few years later, I graduate with a 3.9 something. I think it was a 3.93 GPA. So I transfer that, and that was an online education primarily, apart from two or three classes. Transfer that to a brick-and-mortar state college, which is now going to be 100% in person. This is in 2012. Having got a 2.3 in high school and now getting a 3.9 in college, Guess what I said walking into my class the quote-unquote freshman year of that bachelor's degree? I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And three years later, I finish a four- to five-year degree in approximately three years, uh, some of it which was taken care of previously with the associates, but not much because my associates was in uh, business management, specifically sports business management, And my bachelor's was my first degree in kinesiology. So there were some courses that were taken care of, like English and whatnot, social science, etc. But the majority of that four to five year degree I had to take. I finished with about a 3.53. And the major reason why I didn't get higher was because seven years prior, I took a math class, a four credit math class. I showed up to it twice and wasn't smart enough to drop the class. I just never showed up again. So I ended up paying full price for the class and earning the grade of basically a 0%, which in the grade book is an F, uh, which gives you a 0.0 on your GPA. Now, the rule at that specific state university was those will roll off in seven years. 
Well, as luck would have it, I decided to start at that institution just under that seven-year mark. And so that 3.53 was brought down a few points by that zero that I had carrying over. I then entered grad school. And the most resounding thing that I remember entering grad school was being placed on academic probation Not because I'd done anything wrong, but because on the graduate admissions exam, the GRE, I scored a lower score than what they wanted. So they admitted me, but I had essentially a red flag on me that I was not likely to excel in the program because of all my peers, I had one of the lowest GRE scores. So that flared up my imposter syndrome immensely and actually went through another period of deep depression that first semester of grad school. But despite that deep depression and that imposter syndrome, I got two A minuses and an A. After that, and I could tell you another story that was trying that winter over Christmas, but the rest of the program, I got nothing than nothing but A's and I finished with a 3.96, I think it was. 3.9 something, but I still had that imposter syndrome. Then I signed up for another degree. This was a few years later. I graduated in 2017, took a few years off in the middle of COVID, decided to go back for another degree. This was a doctoral degree called a educational specialist. And this was a two-year doctoral degree, so it's not analogous to a PhD or the traditional doctorate degrees that you have heard of. And what do you suppose I thought of when I entered my first class there? You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. And I graduated with a 4.0. And there were many rocky stories, some trying times during that period of time. Uh, Not least of which was a divorce that I was going through during that period of time. I've owned my own business since 2012. This last year, I've rebranded it and brought it online, specifically this year, mainly in 2023. And every time I run into a hurdle, that imposter syndrome creeps back up. To be honest with you, today has been a really difficult day. A really difficult day with that. I have told myself today, many times, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And even in a biblical example, Moses, who had the unfathomable opportunity to speak to God himself, more or less said, I'm not good enough. And what did God do? God spoke through him. God led the way. The Bible is full of stories of people who felt they weren't good enough but could do amazing things through God. So nextly, I look at the is it not I section when the Lord replies after stating who has made man's mouth, who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind. Is it not I? It's ridiculous how often and ironic how often we think we have control as man. That we can say on one corner of the mouth that God created the universe. 
and out of the other corner of our mouth say, I have to control my educational experience. I have to control my relationships. I have to control my business endeavors. Aren't all of those minuscule in comparison to creating the universe? Of course they are. And if we genuinely believe one, how can we possibly out the other corner of our mouth say the other? It's ironic. It's, it's silly. It's ridiculous. And I'm preaching to myself here. I just, I do it all the time. I've been telling myself all morning that I'm not good enough. And that why am I even wasting my time with this? It's not going to get anywhere. Right? It's just a devilish attack over and over and over and over again. In church today, the pastor said something in relationship to uh, the devil attacks those that are willing or perhaps those that are just not smart enough to realize that they're being used. And I think in a lot of times when I'm in my weakness, I'm not smart enough to, to understand that I am being used or that I'm being manipulated. And what's the answer? What's the resolution? Well, it's to be in God's word. Absolutely. We have direct evidence of it. When you lean into God, when you let God go through you, you are prepared. You've put on your armor of God. And so no doubt about it, I need to increase the amount of time. And not just time, but the depth of time, the quality of time that I'm spending with Heavenly Father. The last application I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. I mentioned that this morning has been a rough morning. Today has been a rough day. It's actually been a few rough days. Uh, I reached out in this community that I'm a part of. It's sort of like a, a private social media. It's full of Christian entrepreneurs. If you're interested, I have an affiliate link that I can send you. doesn't cost you any more. Love to have you involved in the group. It has been very helpful. Uh, but I received a couple feedback comments as I was sharing my website in progress to fellow Christian entrepreneurs. And the first two things of feedback I got, uh, or I received, I should say, I took negatively. I took the wrong way. It was one was a font issue. Like your font should be a sans serif font. It shouldn't be this fancy Lord of the Rings looking font. Well, what does my brain do? My brain says that font is the worst font I've ever seen in my life. It is. It just. It makes me understand how idiotic you are. Just the fact that you would use that, right? And those of you that are optimistic are just blown away. Like how negative can this guy get? How. I've never met somebody that can have such crazy thoughts going through their through their head. That's again that imposter syndrome. You know, as I read through it more and more and more and get a third comment that was sort of half uh, critical, half positive to sort of help bring me out of my funk, um, I realized that those two comments weren't nefarious. They weren't there to... Uh, affect me negatively and I'm vulnerable because I'm in a startup right now and things are not where I'd like them to be. Um, it's interesting. It's really interesting how that imposter syndrome continues to rear its ugly head. One of the other comments that I, re uh, I received uh, in, in those couple was that the website made our business appear as old-fashioned. I was like, okay, check. That's good. We like that. 
pastor says that if it's new, it's not true. And if it's true, it's not new. And I subscribe to that for the most part. And it's an interesting saying that I, I enjoy. So, okay, check. Even if that was meant to be critical, I'll be taking that as a compliment. That's good. I like that. Uh, but then it said, and resistant to modern thinking. And at first, I felt almost a, uh, almost a woke attack there, which kind of made me flare up and not be uh, delivered by an imposter syndrome, but be just angry. But then I thought of Romans 12, 2. Do not con- be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I ended up walking away from that critical comment with another check mark and an or- another compliment. That's great. We want to look old-fashioned. And we do want to look resistant to modern thinking. We want to be based in biblical thinking. Because if this podcast, business, school, they're going to be successful, it's going to be through God that they're successful, not through us. We've shifted our sponsorship to the end here. Um, We are self-sponsored. We do that to not interject additional clips in to the show. We believe that those listening would rather be directed to a website to buy a t-shirt or a course or whatever the case is than be interjected with some uh, advertisement that may or may not be helpful. And so far, we've stuck to that. And so we are Error at Physiology. Our website is erroratphysiology.com. We have vlog-style articles. We have a YouTube channel linked through there. We have courses, three of them that are up, many that are being worked as I've announced each show. Really excited on what the courses are going to look like through our Learn Worlds account and everything that we're working on there. You listen to this faith-based podcast, please spread the message, please review. It helps us get into uh, the, the I want to say, living rooms of other individuals, but it may be a car radio, headphones, whatever the case is, but it helps the podcast grow, and that would mean a lot to me personally. I try not to let those numbers get to me, but they do have positive and negative implications per download, and so I'd appreciate your downloads and your referral. Uh, we also have a summer camp this summer, obviously, uh, strength and conditioning program that we're going to go run through for about two weeks. If you have any athletes five to 18, we would love to help them out if they are in the Boise, Idaho area. Inquire further at hello at erratphysiology.com for anything that I've mentioned. Or again, you can visit erratphysiology.com. Stay tuned this week and next week, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, we'll see that new website click over. And I think you're going to be excited to see what it looks like and all the work that we've put into it. So as we wrap this show up, we'll conclude as we always do, and that is with the Lord's Prayer. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. Amen.